You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Two scripture readings this afternoon. First place, we will read Romans chapter 10, and then we will read Ephesians 1, verses 1 to 12. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or, Who will descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. What does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How, then, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news! But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Now we turn to the letter to the Ephesians. We'll read chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Let's also turn in our books of praise to the Belgian Confession, Article 27. Title over this article, The Catholic Christian Church. We believe and profess one Catholic or universal church, which is a holy congregation and assembly of the true Christian believers who expect their entire salvation in Jesus Christ, are washed by his blood, and are sanctified and sealed by the Holy Spirit. This church has existed from the beginning of the world and will be to the end, for Christ is an eternal king who cannot be without subjects. This holy church is preserved by God against the fury of the whole world, although for a while it may look very small and as extinct in the eyes of man. Thus, during the perilous reign of Ahab, the Lord kept for himself 7,000 persons who had not bowed their knees to Baal. Moreover, this holy church is not confined or limited to one particular place, to certain persons, but is spread and dispersed throughout the entire world. However, it is joined and united with heart and will, in one and the same spirit, by the power of faith. This afternoon we continue with the Heidelberg Catechism. We come to Lord's Day 21. This afternoon we will be looking at what we confess in question and answer 54. What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Christian Church? I believe that the Son of God, out of the whole human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers defends and preserves for himself by his spirit and word in the unity of the true faith, a church chosen to everlasting life. And I believe that I am and forever shall remain a living member of it. Beloved congregation, Christ our Lord, when we confess that we believe a holy Catholic Christian church, there are at least two potential problems right off the bat. The first is that people really don't get the meaning of the words church and Catholic. And so right at the beginning here, let's make it clear what those words mean. So we're all on the same page. Oftentimes we use the word church to refer to the building where we have our worship services and other activities. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But we should be aware that in the Bible, the word church is never used for a building. In Scripture, it always refers to the people of God, either in general or in a particular place. Now, the English word church comes from a Greek word, as do all of the other European language versions of the the English word church, including the Dutch kerk, comes from the Greek word kuriake. You want to know how that's spelled? K-U-R-I-A-K-E. Kuriake. In that word, you can see the roots of another Greek word, kurios, which means Lord. So kuriake, or church, means the people who belong to the Lord. Now, there is another word for church in the New Testament. It's the word ecclesia. We'll talk about that more in a few moments. So that's church. Then there's Catholic. There are many people who have a a, a problem with that word because of its associations with the Roman Catholic Church. And when people are speaking, regular conversation with one another, quite often the word Catholic is used as a shorthand for Roman Catholic. The result is that many Christians have a problem with the Apostles' Creed. They say, it's a Roman Catholic thing, because look, see, it says Catholic Church. When we talk about Catholic Church, that's Roman Catholic. Now, admittedly, the word Catholic is not found in the Bible. But it is a word with a long history among Christians. It predates the Roman Catholic Church by many years. We find this word being used very early on in the New Testament church. And despite the way many people use the word today, Catholic has nothing to do with the Pope or priests, bishops or masses. Catholic simply means universal. So that takes care of the first big problem, definitions. The second big problem is that some people just don't care very much about the church today. Sadly, they view the church as optional or they view it as a a society or a club of people with similar interests or perhaps a similar ethnic background. And just like if you don't like the, the gym you're going to, if you don't like the church for some reason, you just cancel your membership and you go somewhere else. And all this some show with their words and actions that they think the church is something that doesn't matter a whole lot. Perhaps they're excited about being Christians and about about serving the Lord, but when it comes to the church, well, that's, that's less than secondary. However, loved ones, we say that we are Reformed people. And Reformed simply means that time and again we go back to what Scripture teaches. Reformed is just another way of saying biblical. And if we really follow what the Bible says, we have to care about the church. In Ephesians 5, Paul draws a a parallel between marriage and the relationship between Christ and His church. In verse 25, he says that Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. He loved the church, and He still loves her today. 
And if we love the Lord Jesus, and I think we do, don't we? If we love the Lord Jesus, shouldn't we also love the things that He loves? Shouldn't we also love the church, beginning with the local congregation where God has placed us? The church belongs to Christ. The church is of paramount importance to Him. Throughout the history of the world, He has been gathering His church, calling her out of darkness and into His wonderful light. And we can see that truth captured with the New Testament word for church, ecclesia, from which we get such English words as ecclesiastical. Ecclesia literally refers to those who are called out, those who are being gathered. The Catechism captures this in question and answer 54 when we confess that Christ gathers, defends, and preserves for Himself a church chosen to everlasting life. In other words, the Son of God is building His church. And that's our theme for this afternoon as I preach God's Word summarized in the church's confession about the church here in the 21st Lord's Day. We confess that the Son of God has been building His church from the beginning of the world. It's important that we confess that. Because there are people who teach that the church is a New Testament creature. As if there was no church of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. They make a rigid separation between the church, New Testament, and Israel, Old Testament. Now to be sure, there are differences. Let's be clear. For instance, Israel was a a nation and a political entity. The church is not. The church is entirely spiritual. But to make a rigid separation as if they have very little or even nothing to do with each other, that's simply not right. In Article 27 of the Belgic Confession, which we also read a few moments ago, we confess from Scripture that, quote, this church has existed from the beginning of the world and will be to the end, for Christ is an eternal king who cannot be without subjects. Now that is a tightly reasoned argument. And to understand it, it's, it's good to unpack it a little bit. I don't think anyone will dispute the fact that Jesus is an eternal king. It's taught in many places in the Bible, Luke 1.33 just being one of them. He is an eternal king. That means that he has always been a king, and he always will be a king. Now, by definition, a king has subjects. So the Lord Jesus has always had his people under him. Right from the beginning, there has always been a people of the Lord, a kuriake, or church. And he will always be a king, always having subjects. There will always be a church. And so we can know for sure that no matter how bad things get in the world, the Lord Jesus is there, and he is building his church just as he's done in times past. And this is part of what it means when we confess that the church is Catholic or universal. 
when we sing the Apostles' Creed or when we recite the Nicene Creed, we confess that we believe a holy Catholic church. Note that we do not believe in the church. We believe in God, but we believe a Catholic church. Believing a Catholic church means that we believe, for one thing, that the church has always been around. We're not the first people to be Christians. Literally millions of people have gone before us. With the word Catholic, we confess the importance of having a sense of historical consciousness. And so Catholic refers, in the first place, to time. Universal in the sense of time. But it also is universal in the sense of place. It means that God's people are found all over the world. And we can see that in what we read from Ephesians 1. letter to the church at Ephesus was written by Paul about 30 years after Christ had ascended into heaven. When Christ left His disciples, many, if not all, of the people who believed in Him, they were Jewish. Before He ascended, He gave them what we call the Great Commission. He told them that they were to go and preach the good news, not just in Jerusalem, and not just in Judea, and not just in Samaria, but to go out into all the world and led by the Holy Spirit of Christ. That's exactly what they did. And so it came to pass that a church of Christ appeared in the city of Ephesus in Asia Minor, what today we call Turkey. Paul passed through that city on his second missionary journey. And then on his third, he ended up staying for two years. In Revelation 2, we find a letter from Jesus Christ to that church. And from that letter, we can see that the church was fairly strong and healthy. And so, this is the point, already in the time of the apostles, the church was spreading over the face of the earth, and the church at Ephesus was just one example of that. And that process has continued until today. Every year, January, maybe the end of December, we get a a mission calendar. You and here we also include all the kids here, right? We can, we can go through that calendar. We can flip through it and we can see believers from all over the world. They live in Brazil. They live in, in Papua New Guinea, Indonesia and elsewhere. And lately we, we hear more reports of what Christ has been doing in places like China. All these people are part of Christ's Catholic Church. So the Son of God builds His church over the whole earth and from the beginning of the world to its end. But how does He do it? In the Catechism, we confess that He does it by His Spirit and Word in the unity of the true faith. In other words, Christ uses His Holy Spirit and His Holy Word as His tools. Just like a a carpenter uses tools to build something. Jesus has His tools too. His tools are His Holy Spirit and His Holy Word. And He uses those to build His church. And we can see that most clearly in our reading from Romans 10. 
Here Paul is writing about the Jews of his day. We remember, of course, that Paul himself was a Jew. At a certain point, he even said that he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was the super Jew. He earnestly desired to see his, his fellow Jews believe in the Lord Jesus and so be saved from the wrath of God against their sins. Now he looks around him and he sees people who say they believe in God. Verse 2 says that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. As far as getting right with God is concerned, their zeal gets them nowhere. Why not? Because they look to their own good works to be saved. They think that by their own effort, they can go up and they can pull salvation down from heaven. They can pull Christ down from heaven. That they can climb Jacob's ladder. Same way of thinking still exists today. We're prone to it as well. Paul challenges this way of thinking. He says it's not us climbing up and pulling Christ down from heaven that saves us. It is Christ alone graciously coming down to us with His Word. He's the one who saves us. He is the one who, who brings us into His people, into His church. The only way people come to faith and salvation is through the Gospel, through the, the, the preaching of the Gospel. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. The Word of Christ is the same Word of faith that Paul says he was proclaiming in verses 8 and 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And so when the Gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit is there. He is working to create faith in the heart of God's elect. When they have faith in the Savior, they belong to Him. They belong to the Lord. They belong to the Lord's people. And so we can say that the Son of God builds His church with His Spirit and Word. And once we believe, we need the Spirit and Word to continue working in us. We not only need preaching to to believe, to to lay the, the foundation for a Christian life if you want, but also to maintain us and to help us grow and increase for something to develop on top of that foundation. In 2 Peter 3.18, believers are told to, quote, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge. Just like a baby needs food to grow, all of us, every single one, we need God's Word to grow as believers. We need to read the Bible and we need to study it personally. But we also need to listen to preaching and do so as a community of listeners and followers of Christ. And we find the official preaching of God's Word in the church, here in this local church where God in His providence has placed us. God's Son 
will build His church by the preaching that's done here each and every Sunday, morning and afternoon. We gather in worship. God is here blessing us in a special way through the Word and sacraments. In that respect, I want to share something that a colleague wrote this past week. He said, this is a quote, God is present everywhere, of course, but the Bible teaches us that He is also specially present at certain times and in certain places and with certain people. So, the quote goes on, when the guy says to you, God is everywhere, so I can meet Him on the golf course just as well as I can in church, your answer might be, yes, God is present everywhere. He's present in hell too. But He isn't present there to bless anyone, and you have no promise that He'll be present to bless you on the golf course. You want Him present to bless you? Come to church with a heart set on meeting Him. That's the end of the quote. This fellow pastor has a point. When you're not in church, when you're not availing yourself of the, the means of grace, when you're off doing something else, you're robbing yourself and your family, loved ones. You belong here where God is present to bless you. His church with His Word and with His sacraments. He blesses you here like nowhere else on earth. There's one more thing that we want to see here this afternoon about the, the Son of God and His building the church. And that's why He does it. And if we look in Scripture, we can come up with a number of different reasons. But there's one that we especially find in the book of Ephesians and particularly in, in chapter 1. That whole section of Ephesians 1 that we read is basically about one thing. Just one thing. Giving praise and glory to God. Find it right away in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You find it in verse 6, which speaks about God choosing us for the praise of His glorious grace. You also see it in verse 14, where God is choosing us for His people, where God's doing that, is for the praise of His glory. The Lord Jesus simply builds His church so that she will make much of God and lift Him up, so that He will be valued, so that God would be treasured. The church exists first and foremost for the glory of God. And when we understand that truth, and it grips our hearts, it drives us and it motivates us as church members. It motivates our, our service to God and our neighbor and our, our daily walk of life. We don't ever want God's name to be, to be blasphemed because of us. It motivates us as, as, as a church when we seek out, seek to reach out to those around us who are lost, to those who are in darkness. They're not praising God with their lives. We want them to praise God with their lives. So we reach out to them so that they too will believe in this Savior who we believe in so that they will be brought into this church which is set on giving Him glory 
and honor. And of course, it also certainly motivates us as we we gather for worship each Lord's Day. When we come through these doors, we want God to be the center of attention and the center of our praise. In all these ways and many more, the church is about giving glory to God. We want His name to be praised and valued because of the church, because of this church, the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. Loved ones, God's church is something special. We can never say that the church is not important because she is the bride of Jesus Christ. The day is coming when He will come for her. Don't kid yourself. If we've distanced ourselves from her, the Lord Jesus will keep His distance from us too. A true church of Jesus Christ can be found here. This is the true church where God has called you and, and placed you as a member. And if you long to be at the marriage feast of the Lamb, then now is the time to love not only Jesus, but also His church, the bride represented here with this local congregation. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we thank You for the church-gathering work of our Lord Jesus. We praise You that He is the groom who, who cares so much for His bride. Lord Jesus Christ, we adore You for loving Your church so much that You not only lay down Your life for her, but took it up again as well. You're the risen Savior. We praise You. Oh Lord God, teach us never to despise Your church, but to cherish it and to treasure it as You do. Give us more grace so that we love what our Savior loves, that we live out of our union with Him also in this respect. And we thank You that we have a church where we can hear the faithful preaching of the Gospel. We're grateful for a church that faithfully administers the sacraments and exercises church discipline. Help us, Lord, not to take our local church for granted, but to grow in love for it. We pray that you would hear us, for we pray in the name of the Son of God. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.